0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today I have a very special guest with us. I have Professor Deborah Lemon. Hi there, Professor Lemon. Hi, good morning. So, uh, how, where are you at in the world? I am in the East Bay, outside of San Francisco. Ah, my old stomping grounds. I love it.
1: I would say it's normally pretty cool. Right now we're a little bit locked down, so...
0: Um, so everybody crazy. else is too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm in Las Vegas and everything was shut down. Oh, like man. the restaurants just opened up in the casinos and oh. the casinos are closed. Oh. So okay. that makes sense, right? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right, so Professor Lemon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a college
1: uh, professor out at Ohlone College, uh, which has campuses in Fremont and Newark. And I have a background in defense industry, content creation, horseback riding, belly dancing, and storytelling.
0: Fantastic. And as I just found out before we, we hopped on, you're a big Trekkie, too.
1: Yes, I'm a hardcore Star Trek fan, yes.
0: I love it. Okay, so... I ask every guest one question to start off my show. I'm going to ask you just like I ask everybody else. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Professor Lemon?
1: I probably have to put it at like an 8.
0: And why is that?
1: Um, I, I, I do try very hard to wear like my cloak of normalcy. But uh, I'm very uh, tangential. I usually have about three or four things running through my mind at all times. And um, it's sort of like being dug in the movie Up, where you're on a task, but then suddenly squirrel, right? And it's not a lack of focus. It's that, oh wait, there's a squirrel. I've got to find out, can I catch the squirrel? Where's the squirrel going to lead me? Uh, What do I know about the squirrel? And how does that tie back into my original thought? And that's a little tough to uh, deal with in a conversation with most people when they think I'm off task, but I'm not. So sometimes social awkwardness. Yeah,
0: hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's There's actually a term for that in the business world. It's called shiny object syndrome. Just something new pops up and you got to like focus on that, even though you haven't finished like these other things.
1: Yes. And well, even finishing, but seeing how they tie in and yeah. So, and then it, things seem random, but they're not.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so this is the gamerpreneur. So I need your gaming cred, gaming cred, Professor Lemon. When did you start playing games?
1: Um, when I had a teacher back when I was in school who introduced me to Zork and something I, called I the had King that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so there was just a small group of us that sat there and tried to navigate our way through the caves. But it was really exciting, and it was the first time I'd seen something that made you constantly have to keep thinking. About how you could resolve um the 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 situations and then where it was going what was the narrative and so that really got me hooked and then after that it was Frogger and Space Invaders and just kind of worked its way up with smaller games and um until I got to uh more modern games uh, that were civilization building like Pharaoh and Cleopatra, and uh SimCity and uh probably games like The Room, where they were uh, problem-solving, Rooms 1 through 4 and Original Sins, uh, Rotera, and uh, then more social games like uh, Luigi's Mansion, um, and probably right now Pokemon Go is one of my favorites, and so of course I had to immediately get to level 40 as fast as possible to establish the street cred, but um, I tend to like to explore different games and see, see where they can take me. So I'm pretty much open to trying anything. Overcooked has been really good right now <laughs> during the lockdown. That's kind of a fun one to play too.
0: Wonderful. Now, um, if, I ha- if we had to pick one, what's your favorite <gasps> game of all time?
1: Favorite game of all time, oh gosh, that's really tough. It's kind of a mood thing. Um, I'd probably say I spent most more time on Pharaoh and Cleopatra because there were more variables that I could keep introducing to the civilization. You could t- keep taking it up another notch, but that would be one that's not social. In terms of social, I would want uh, Pokemon Go, assuming they continue the remote raid passing so that my island, wherever I am, has a couple gems that I can still work with with other people. Um, so, yeah, anything that would grow, that would keep growing and changing.
0: I love it. Were you the kind of peop- a person who would go and just, I'm tired of this civilization. Where's the tornadoes and aliens?
1: Yes, I will be honest. I do that. If I got, like, if SimCity, if I had riots because I hadn't built the railways fast enough, I would just bring in, you know, Godzilla and take out the town. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay, so what is it you do now, Professor Lemon?
1: So right now, um, I am a full-time professor, but my biggest thing in terms of esports is that I've been working on developing a program. So um, I just last year got the Department of Esports established, and the first courses are launching this fall, and I've been writing the curriculum for those. Um, It started like back in 2014 is when we finally made the club official, and I was able to you know, get them unblocked from the network, um, try to find rooms where we could actually set up club meetings where people could come in person and game, um, and then to try to get some kind of budget. That was always a little bit tough, trying to get funding, um, but learning the steps of going through it in terms of the student clubs, uh, funds requests, but also, hey, how else can we you know, get money, and how else can we do fundraising, and how, you know, how they can actually set up their own businesses and then be able to you know as they earn money come up and purchase things that then they can loan out to the club so a lot of it was creative building and then the second part was trying to get credibility for the club and for esports in general because uh, that's a tough sell and it was really tough in 2014 Um, it was definitely tougher even before that but you could kind of see the handwriting on the wall by 2014 I think and well most people could people in the industry could gamers could um, trying to sell it into education was a little harder. I think now it's a lot easier.
0: Well, what kind of pushback were you getting? Why, why exactly was it that it wasn't just adopted the moment you, you brought it up?
1: Um, yeah, I definitely did a lot of pitching. I had to go speak with each administrator separately and just keep repetitively meeting with them over and over and showing them the statistics and um, showing the, the things that we were doing with like the Japanese school and stuff. But I think a lot of it was people just didn't take gaming seriously. They just saw it as, you know, children's games, there's, this is what you do when you're not focused on important things or important tasks. Um, it's not real world experience. It's not going to get you a job. And so there was a lot of stereotypes to overcome as well. What What is a typical gamer like? And what did they think all video games were like? And so there was just a, a lot of misinformation and a lot of lack of information about what that whole what our what our whole world is about and and trying to get people to understand it in a and doing it in a way that was approachable for them, right? Not coming in and, and saying, well this, that, you know, these statistics. It was, hey, let's take a look at what you think it is, and now let's take a look at what's actually out there.
0: Okay. Do you have a good definition for what a typical gamer is?
1: Um I don't because I think when you look at uh, I'm going to do some statistic things, but um, when you look at high school and you have 70 to 80% of all students self-identifying as a gamer, I think that pretty much, you know, explodes the idea that there's one typical person, usually they're imagining some guy in the basement with Cheetos um, by themselves that have no social skills whatsoever. And again, social skills, don't get me on that tangent, but how do we define what's a correct social skill? Um, I think uh, it's pretty much anybody that enjoys what I think of as a storytelling narrative and wanting to self-direct it because you could have something that's um, a shorter competitive, like you look at League of Legends, there's still a lot of um, tactics and strategy and they talk it through and it's constantly based in communication and being able to react really quickly and to get to that end goal, which is of course the end of their narrative. But you have people that also like problem solving games and social games and uh, DDR is a, I think is a fantastic sport. Um, and uh, the FGCs, they, they all have a different idea of what competitive gaming is and they approach it differently and they have their own unique sets um, in terms of personality and, and how they want to, you know, how they get along with other people, how they want to be part of that gamer
0: community. Okay. Has there been a lot of research done on gamers, gaming, esports? Like, Is this still a brand new field?
1: I think there's been a lot of research in the past because it all started with can can violent computer games make you violent. So I think there were those early studies where they were trying to come up with a correlation, and they and they haven't. Um, it's uh, it's one of the things that when people ask me about that, I'll say, oh, you mean like you know domestic violence or you know dog fighting or drug use, and I'm like, oh wait, no, there's traditional sports. <laughs> but <laughs> But um, I think there is a lot of research now, yeah. I think there's, they're looking at the um, neuroscience of it, you know, what's going on in their brains? How are, they, how, how are they making these quick decisions? What's happening with ocular motor skills and tracking that? Um, and then also, the, where it's going with the industry itself is, wait, how, how, are we, how are we defining this? So there's studies looking at the gaming industry itself as well as gamers themselves.
0: Okay. And like, what kinds of things are we finding? Because I'm not—I can't say I've seen on like ABC News, you know, gamers are great at this. I, I see gaming causes violence. Like that's all we see. That's all we hear, really.
1: I know. It, it's still—I think that that's going to keep slowly, you know, going away as the as it continues to become more and more mainstream. I mean, you're seeing now. I mean, the Madden uh, Finals and Semifinals were on ESPN all this past week, and you've got uh, the. Uh, the head of baseball, Rod Manfred, saying uh, that uh, Manfred saying that you know they need to get more into esports. So I think as it becomes more mainstream, you're going to see less of the negative um, ideas about esports slowly going backward. Um, with uh, I'm trying to remember what your question was now. <laughs> I was um, thinking what, about taking that back. What taking it, getting what away with that. we seen? Yes. I think what you're seeing is there are studies coming out showing that actually they make, they have better study habits because they're able to strategize better. They're able to focus better. Um, They, there's a lot of athletics in terms of um, when you think of a gamer that's let's say in League or in Overwatch, and they're hearing feedback from their teams, they're giving feedback to their teams and directives and making strategic decisions based on what they see on the screen and making 10 to 12 minutes per second. This makes them uh, have amazing team building skills, which is really critical when working in any type of business or professional environment, you need to have that skill. And I think they have the ability to work at that more than the typical student or the typical person going into a career. You study with other people, but you don't have necessarily all those critical elements to be able to strategize together in very intense and stressful situations and to be able to do it quickly.
0: Fantastic. What made you decide to, to kind of make this your focus?
1: I think when I first, I was looking at BCI before I went into esports, uh, brain computer interface games. So I, I got to meet Latware, who's amazing, and he did Throw Trucks With Your Mind. And I was hooked at that moment and thought, this is where we're going to be going with entertainment and games. And so I went back to look for uh, uh, some beta students to try this out. And that was at the same time the league players were trying to form official clubs so that they could uh, be able to play on the campus and not keep getting kicked out of the computer. Uh, Uh, centers. So when I first hooked up with them and I said, let's get started and I'll I'll start helping you out physically, I was doing the research and looking and I discovered in Japan that the Tokyo School of Anime had already come up with degree programs for the different elements, specifically geared toward PC uh, games, but you know, looking at event hosting, looking at shoutcasting, looking at voice narration and things like that, a serious careers. And I realized, okay, this is where this is going and it's going to come here. It's going to be in the U.S. We need to have a department of eSports and we need to already start looking at um, how we can build this into curriculum because the industry itself got where it is, billion dollar industry, without education. So it's already got a huge groundswell. It's grassroots. So if we want to be part of it, then we need to carefully look at it and how to construct it without limiting it. And I think that's my biggest focus, which is why I decided to get into it because I thought it has tremendous potential if we can be careful about how we integrate it into into education because it is a system, it is a bureaucracy and we we do tend to niche things and trying to come up with this new environment and this new uh, community and culture and then have it grow organically, that's gonna be a challenge.
0: Okay, how, how do we make that next step, go to the next level in making gaming and everything that surrounds it more of a profession as opposed to a hobby? Is it getting to the parents? Is it getting into the, like getting the school administrators, to understand? like what is that next step? Because the kids are already there, but yeah. if they don't have the, the support, then they're not gonna go that direction
1: yes i think um that was and that was something i even talked about like we had a science night back in march before the shutdown happened but i spoke to a lot of parents and was showing them the different career paths that are emerging because there are a whole lot of them i like to think of it like the mississippi delta you know not a river where it's clear and obvious one profession or one career path but actually it's a huge march with all these little tributaries that trickle down and contribute right to to the careers that are out there to the industry um what we need is to have a separate department of esports so that people understand, okay, this is like sports. Um, it, it's a huge umbrella. There are a lot of variety of games, there are a lot of variety of careers that are gonna come out of it. What's the base information that is going to help any individual go toward a career that either is directly linked to esports or indirectly linked to esports because of their passion for gaming? And so part of that was going out to industry and talking to uh, people who made the hardware, people who made software, people who do data analytics, people who design games, people who play games, people who manage teams. What is it you would like your ideal employee to come in with in terms of the knowledge and the history of where esports, how it started, where it's going? Uh, and what it encompasses. And by being able to lay out a curricula that's that broad that it appeals to the larger body of students coming in, it's gonna be an easier uh, conversation with parents. And I think that it also makes it a little less um, problem problematic for other departments that are thinking, well, this element of eSports belongs to me, and this element of eSports belongs to me. You can say, hey, We're just looking at the big umbrella and all the viewers can be cross disciplinary courses that fill in because it all is up to the students. What is, where are their strengths? What if they want to go into finance and accounting? Awesome. But they love gaming. Then they can be working in finance and accounting for some type of game related industry. It's Uh being able to take that passion with you and respecting it.
0: Wonderful. Now, when you uh, did this, this survey of all these different companies, was there a common thread that they were all looking for is, or is it just kind of, like gamers, there's no typical gamer, there's no typical employee that they're looking for?
1: I think it it always depended on what they were making, because if they were dealing with PC hardware, they're more interested in people that are obviously PC gamers. Um, But I think in general, the idea that everybody could get a broad picture and have some hands-on experience so they know what it feels like to be at the user end, most, of course, all gamers do, right? That's what they're that's what they're doing, but also to look out and see beyond their own niche game. Everybody has different game preferences, or most people do, and being able to understand how all that community functions, so that if you're a PC player, you understand the FGC, and if you're FGC, you understand, you know, mobile gamers, however, however you need that larger picture, and then also, what are the different companies, what's their end goal, what are they, what are their, what's their product, you know, who are their demographics, who are their clients, and That type of knowledge is usually, right now, it's happening organically within the companies. They hire somebody with a passion for gaming or they hire someone with a specific skill and then hope that they both get each other's skills. Um, By being able to provide that broad broad base that they're looking for of understanding the scope of it, they're gonna be able to bring in information to the companies that otherwise the companies with their focus on their product may not have.
0: Wonderful. Okay, can I talk about you for a second? Sure. Like what what made you get to this point? I don't mean necessarily your professional background. I mean, what drove you to do this? What what kind of skills did you have that ended landed you here?
1: I think I think my skills definitely resilience and persistence would be my skills because um, I really I, I tend to look out five years. I worked as a strategist for a while and I really enjoy it. It's being able to see where it could end up and seeing the potential, but also To be honest, what really motivated me are are the students and the gamers themselves because I see how they view themselves and I want them to see that bigger picture of what really the incredible world that they're in and that they had the driving force to bring it where it is now. They are still in control of it and they still are the driving force to take it forward.
0: Beautiful. Okay, so it's it's always my goal to, to get my guests to kind of explain... What somebody has to know to be able to follow in their footsteps. So what kinds of resources or training would you suggest someone take to be able to end up and be another Professor Lemon?
1: So that's a good question. Um, I would say one thing I learned is I pushed for the curricula. a very long time, and that's our teacher words for uh, writing courses, right, trying to get courses approved. And that was more of a struggle. And I think for people working in education as it is right now, that's a bit of a struggle because they always have to say, well, where does it belong and what does it come under? How do we classify it? And uh, I think it's, I found it was easier just to create the department. And once I created the department, then I have a prefix, you know, ESPTS, so I can have Esports 101, Esports 102, et etc. So now I can write the curriculum because the department already exists. So I think for most uh, educators who are looking to do that, my advice is make a department, make it freestanding. This is super important because if you niche it under say athletics or under computer science or under uh, video game design, you are really severely limiting the people who are gonna go into that program. The whole idea is for this to be open to all gamers of all types. And if you put it in a a label that has already an association with it, and let's be honest, those are traditionally male-dominated fields. So if we're looking at diversity and inclusivity, you're gonna have a little more of a struggle with that because you're again telling people this is where it belongs and these are the specific type of people it belongs to. So if you can, just create a department of eSports that's on its own and build the classes slowly as it continues to roll out, as we're looking at how it's evolving in entertainment and industry and careers and eSports real estate, eSports health, eSports law, eSports finance. Those are all out there. So you want to get that department to be as open as possible. So my that's my number one advice is, is take a step back and realize that there's no correct format right now for making these things. It's having that. Flexibility and plasticity to be to let it grow dynamically, let it grow, uh, and so that you're not backtracking and again not not limiting it.
0: Okay. Can I give just like a little bit of pushback and kind of mm-hmm. test you here? Because like I was a political science major, and we used to joke that a political science major is either pre-law or pre-homeless. So, <laughs> assuming that somebody gets a like a bachelor's <laughs> of esports and they're not able to get something in the industry, do they have a future anywhere else?
1: Uh, Yes, because I think when you say you have a Bachelor of Esports, I think how we even define that right now, right, like there's some schools that have them, I've looked at some in England that have them, and they're either geared toward event hosting or toward being a professional gamer. It's the things that right now have funding because they're the most similar to the traditional sports that we're aware of. Um, I think when you say having a Bachelor of Esports, I think that degree program is going to grow and and be broader But it will always have to have some, you know, you have the different paths that you can take in any degree program of how do you want to apply these skills and so for me it's very important that whatever comes out of it is yes a broad base of information but also different courses that are applied skills so that you already have in mind where you want to go with it and I really really want to work with industry on this so that there are internships or there are practicums or there are ways for them to speak with people that are in there constantly so they have an idea of hey this is what I love this is what my strengths are where can I take that in the gaming world.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so about how long have you been doing this then?
1: So this has been uh, six years.
0: Okay. So Six and years
1: plus right now, just focusing 100% on the esports.
0: Okay, so if you could go back six years and you could talk to little Professor Lemon, Yeah. <laughs> and you could give her some advice on how to make this whole process go smoother, faster, bigger, better. What would you say?
1: I would say, um, Definitely go in and ask for Department of Esports and get that built because the paperwork on that is so much faster. And so I could have saved myself a couple um, A couple uh, of years of trying to uh, talk to each administrator who after a while they saw me coming would try to look for someplace else to go Um, And I would also say uh, there are other people that were like that it was hard to reach out because there weren't as many advisors like as most advisors are only working for a semester or maybe two semesters it, trying to get advisors that are long term um, I would have pushed a little harder in trying to reach out to more and more schools I, I did reach out to quite a, a number but I would have continued that push to try to aggregate all of us together right to get us all in a room together so that we could strategize on how to use that, the numbers, you know, people that really want to see this go forward, how we could have come together and, and come up with a more streamlined idea of how to push it forward, because right now we're all kind of fragmented, you know, and how, how we approach it. So was what I would tell myself is make the department, now go to other schools, show them how to make a department and start to strategize what a good game plan is.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So, You've been doing this for six years. Where do you think it's going to be in the next five?
1: I think we're going to see esports continue to just roll out into the mainstream. It's, it's already coming into a lot of sci-fi shows, show gamers in a very positive light. Um, there are programs that are specifically about gamers. It's now moving into you know uh, mainstream television channels. It's certainly all over social media. So I think we'll see that just continue to integrate so that when we look at movies or storytelling in general, we're going to see more of that. Gamer narrative uh being more of a base for that that type of uh industry sort of similar to like ready player one i don't think everybody wants to be in haptics and be in an oasis and and that's where you live but i think the idea that um the the gamer skills the gamer community will become valued as life skills and so we'll see more and more of it just become something that's normal and we don't even have to say esports or gaming community because it will just be part of our regular social norms.
0: All right. Okay. Turning back to you for a second, I want my, my audience to understand that not everybody I bring on is like this wonderful person who had no trouble doing anything in their life. and <laughs> It's all sunshine and roses along the path. <laughs> so I, I always ask this question and I'm going to ask you as well, but what is something that you have failed at? And what lesson did you learn from it?
1: Um, there were, there were, It's definitely a challenge. I I have a different aspect of how I look at failure because to me, it means it was an outcome that I didn't expect. So I want to go, well, why did that happen? So that's, I look at that as a really good way to learn something. Um, But I would say um, having, it's tough when you can see where you want it to go and then it doesn't happen right away that can be a lot of a struggle. I'm trying to think of one, like not being able to get the funding, that was tough. I still don't have a room, so we're nomads. So every semester I have to petition for a room, get the approval for the room, and then find the hours that I'm allowed to use that room to set up uh, the gaming. So I, would say I wouldn't I would say it's so much as failure, but it's not happened the way that I want it to, in the time frame that I want it to be happening. So it's always plan B, it's always a workaround. Like once I found out that, okay, we're not gonna get funding, how do I get the equipment that we need? Okay, well then, guys, guess what? Students can't meet in the summer, but you're not students when you're in the summer, so you're individuals. And if you want to set up your own tournaments and host them and raise money and buy equipment that later next fall you can donate to the club or loan to the club, there's a workaround. So. I think the only thing I really failed at was being uh, good at Rocket League. I totally suck. So that's failure. And um, I failed at making really good muesli bread once and I never made it again.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay. What is something that you're working to improve on in yourself?
1: Um, These are good questions. That's really mean. I haven't had enough coffee. I'm always looking at building skills. So I'm always looking at something I don't know how to do and then I wanna learn how to do it. So working, building my own skills right now would be um, building out new curriculum and trying to anticipate where it's gonna go and where I can apply it. And then also setting up esports for kids. I think that's really important. Um, There's no social media for kids right now and that's been a long-term goal of mine to show kids how to drive social media. There's still not classes, it's still not even part of middle school, high school curriculum. So I'd like to see that. Um, and then something else is going to come on my horizon and I'm going to jump on that because new things happen all the time.
0: Okay. So Professor Lemon, how important is that like constant thirst for knowledge in this industry?
1: I think it's really important. I think it's really important. This is nascent. It's so new and it's got so much potential and it's really easy for people to say, I know exactly what esports is all about and I'm going to build it my way. And I think if you're really hungry to constantly find out not only where it is, but all the elements underlying it, not just, okay, we have professional esports teams competing, but what's the support system under it? And how is hardware developing? And how is that going to affect the games? And when are the games going to switch? You know, not just patches, but you know, games come and go. So you have to be very comfortable with that um, dynamic that, that things are going to be in flux. Um, if you if you aren't constantly trying to stay on top of what are the statistics and where what are the new developments, uh, you'll you'll find that it, you're holding it back. Whatever you're doing won't be moving it forward because you're not adapting. And this is definitely just like a game you know adapt or die.
0: Wonderful. This has been absolutely incredible, Dr. Or Professor Lemon. Um, how do people find you? Where are you at? It's like how do they contact you?
1: So I'm on Facebook. I'm uh, Profe Debbie Lemon. And I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Dr. Lemon. And I'm also um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Discord. I'm on a lot of different uh, social media channels. That's probably the easiest way. And I have uh, my email, um, drlemon at drlemon.com. Beautiful.
0: Okay, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, are there any like last points you want to make or any questions I didn't ask? You think we still need to cover.
1: Um, no, I think you, you did like a good job asking questions. I'm hoping I got right to the point for you. Um, I think anybody also who's interested in pitching departments should look at New Zoo. New Zoo's got a lot of great statistics that they can take to their administration and their boards uh, to share with them so they get an idea of the growth curve. But other than that, I had a great time. You're easy to talk to. I'm so stoked that I know another Star Trek fan. So,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Professor Lemon. It was such a blast having you on. Thank you. All right, Gamerpreneurs, I'm gonna remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a Gamerpreneur.